Well, I must admit that uh, when Bev first asked me to speak at a conference with a gardening theme, I was a bit taken aback because I know next to nothing about gardens. And uh, I like gardens, of course, and quite like our garden at home. And Steve and I do our best to keep the mowing and the weeding and the general maintenance underway. Um, but my cluelessness, combined with my shocking memory, mean that my garden is often full of surprises. Um, I can't remember from one season to the next where I planted which bulbs. And then there's the mystery of things that just pop up out of nowhere. I must say that my biggest surprise was my mini tree. I'll tell you about that. Some years ago, we were giving our garden a makeover and we had a newly formed pond and I wanted some smallish things to plant around it. And I went off to the garden centre with our younger son, Andrew, and he persuaded me to buy um, unusual things. And so I ended up buying grasses and ornamental cabbages and other bits and pieces and my mini tree. The label on it said, grows to a height of 24 inches. That's 60 centimetres for those of you who are younger than I am. <laughs> so 24 inches. My foot. It's not doing working anything. Just stop. There it is. That's my house behind it. So anyway, here I am. I've confessed. I'm no gardener. But I figure that God knows a thing or two about gardens. And right in the beginning of our Bibles, we read of his creation. And this is what happened on day three. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. So what a great idea, our ingenious God, perpetual life cycles. And then there's the amazing Garden of Eden, the perfect paradise for humankind to enjoy. And that's a picture as well of what our relationship with God is meant to be. It was meant to be perfect. And what did we do? Well... We wrecked it, didn't we? And we continue to wreck our fragile, beautiful world. We wreck our physical world, and we continue to wreck our relationship with God. Uh, someone once said that the problem wasn't the apple on the tree, but the pear on the ground. <laughs> Sorry, that is a proper groan. I won't say it. Thankfully, its creator, our creator, has not written us off, but instead has done everything, absolutely everything necessary to redeem us. So with that in mind, I've given today's chat the title, God's Garden of Grace. So, what is God's Garden of Grace like? Well, it's a place like no other. It isn't perfect. Why? Because we're in it. But it's, um, it's a place where we're not discarded or disqualified when we mess up. And just like the father of the prodigal son, we have a God who looks out over the horizon 
waiting to see a glimpse of his wayward children return to him. And when we do, what does he do? He throws a party. That's our God. And God's garden of grace is a place where forgiveness flows in abundance. When we come before God humbly asking for forgiveness, the Bible tells us that he grants it. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Find that in 1 John. Now, if Almighty God can forgive us, then I really think that we ought to do ourselves a favour and learn to forgive ourselves too. And God's garden of grace is a place where everyone's equal. Society declares that there are winners and losers, and there's so much pressure on us to perform, isn't there? We compare ourselves to other people and think that we can't do X, Y, or Z as well as the next person. But God isn't remotely interested in performance. We are his children. He knows us. He knows how we're wired, and he doesn't want us to be the same as each other. He wants us to bloom, but we're not all the same blooms, if you get my drift. He wants a relationship with us. And we need to take time to cultivate a relationship. James encourages us to come close to God, and God will come close to you. So, God's garden of grace is a place where love overflows. And what is grace? Well, it's God's free undeserved, unwarranted, unmerited, unearned, immeasurable, immovable, eternal, and gratuitous love. It's a love that is given freely, although it cost him dearly. Philip Yancey has a lovely description of grace. He says, God's grace says that there is nothing you can do today to cause God to love you more and there is nothing you can do to cause God to love you less. So, who blooms in God's garden of grace? Well, before I answer that question, I'd like to tell you a story. It's the story of Matthew Warren, the youngest son of Rick and Kay Warren, who pastor the mega church, the Saddleback Church in Southern California. Matthew struggled all his life with mental illness and as a 17-year-old, he said to his father, Dad, it's really obvious I'm not going to be healed of this mental illness. We've gone to the best doctors in the nation. I've taken the best medicine, got the best therapy. We've had prayer, lawyers, intercessors, everything you can imagine, and nothing has worked. Why can't I just die and go to heaven? What a question for a parent to be asked, eh? Matthew was described as an incredibly kind, gentle and compassionate young man whose sweet spirit was an encouragement and comfort to many. He had the knack of seeking out people who were lonely and uncomfortable in a crowd and he would go and chat with them and immediately make them feel more relaxed. He could be fun, bubbly and outgoing, but he also experienced excruciatingly painful darkness and despair. And in one such moment of utter emotional blackness, Matthew, aged just 27, used a handgun to end his life. 
A year or so after Matthew died, his father Rick shared in an interview with Justin Briley of the Christianity magazine. When Matthew died, I received 5,000 letters of condolence from around the world. Everyone wrote from rock stars and prime ministers to presidents. But the ones that meant the most to me weren't from the VIPs. They were letters from people that Matthew had led to faith in Jesus Christ. They said, I'm going to be in heaven because your son brought me to Jesus. And I wrote in my journal, in God's garden of grace, even broken trees bear fruit. We're all broken, but God uses broken people. Matthew was so, so broken, yet God used him to bear fruit. He chose Matthew to point others to Jesus. He chose Matthew to come alongside others who were struggling to offer support and encouragement. So, going back to my question, who blooms in this garden of grace? Well, we all can. Nobody is disqualified from blossoming in God's garden of grace. We all might be broken. We're broken by life's trials sometimes, aren't we? By illness, whether it's physical, mental or emotional illness. We are shattered by bereavement and the loss of a loved one is one of the hardest things we have to face. We might be broken by fatigue that comes from spinning too many plates, looking after other people, whether they are your kids, your husband, elderly relatives, or other people who need you. You're doing a great job. God smiles down at you and says, well done, you're being a good and faithful servant. The reality is, you're still worn out. It's draining, it's wearing, and there are days when you just feel broken. And then there are regrets. I feel a song, or Claire's here, and I've had a few, but then again, you're not singing, girls. She used to sing with me in the classroom. But if you've had too few to mention, well, lucky you, bless you, I'm moving on anyway. Um, we might be broken by relationships that have broken down, and even divorce, or broken by failure. You might have all sorts of reasons why you think that God can't use you. You're too young, you're too old, too sick, too tired, too busy, too bad. You're not good enough, not clever enough, not confident enough. You're not this enough or that enough. Well, it sounds to me, if that's you, you're a little bit broken, and so am I. But in God's garden of grace, even broken trees bear fruit. The Bible speaks of treasures in jars of clay. That's God's Holy Spirit and God's message carried about in these fragile bodies of ours to show that this all-surpassing power is from God. There's an interesting exchange of letters between a second century Greek historian called Celsus, who was an opposer, uh, opponent of Christianity, and a church leader called Oregon. Celsus wrote, when most teachers go forth to teach, they cry, come to me, you who are clean and worthy. And they are followed by the highest calibre of people available. But your silly master cries, come to me, you who are down and beaten by life. And so he accumulates around him the ragtag and bobtail of humanity. 
Oregon replied, yes, they are the ragtag and bobtail of humanity, but Jesus does not leave them that way. Out of the material you would have thrown away as useless, he fashions men and women, giving them back their self-respect, enabling them to stand on their feet and look God in the eyes. They were cowed, cringing, broken things, but the sun has set them free. Because in God's garden of grace, even broken trees bear fruit. So how do we flourish in God's garden of grace? God desires that we all flourish, that we bloom, that our lives are fruitful and abundant, that we produce a rich harvest. And just as a flower needs the right conditions in which to bloom, they need the rain, the sunshine, and the nutrients from the ground, we as Christians also need the right requirements to flourish in God's garden. We need to walk with God and keep in step with his spirit, keep our hearts from the stuff that, of life that strangles so that we can bear fruit. Be careful where you choose to plant yourself. God has graciously given us a free will. We have a choice to live in obedience to him and to be rooted and grounded in him. But we're also free to plant ourselves in places and situations where our spiritual lives can be strangled through the sometimes unhealthy choices that we make. Jesus says, remain in me and I also in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, what does this fruit look like? Well, St. Paul answers that question for us. I don't know whether this is keeping up with me. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it seems to me that people who possess these qualities are those who are becoming more like Jesus. It won't happen overnight. It, fruit doesn't just appear on a tree. It takes time. But we need to be rooted and grounded in God. Paul writes, Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth, in, sorry, in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. In our world, broken things get dismissed, discarded, thrown away. But with God, things are so different because he turns worldly values on their head. Paul tells us that God chooses the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. You see, in God's garden of grace, he chooses to make the most broken trees bear the most beautiful of fruits. So, my challenge to you today, as one broken tree to a forest of broken trees, if you like. Take time today, we've got this opportunity Take time to reflect on how to stay rooted and grounded in God. How and where he wants you to grow and bloom 
and blossom and bear fruit that will last. Some of the other ladies have prepared workshop seminars for you and you'll have time there to reflect on some of the things that we've heard. So I'd love you to do that today. Um, can I just say as well, if any of you want to ask any questions or you want prayer, there will be time at the end, but don't feel you need to wait until the end. There are plenty of us around who will be happy to pray with you if you've got anything that you want to pray about. So as you go into your next workshop, I'm gonna invite um, Fiona up to tell you how that's gonna happen. But as you go, please remember, in God's garden of grace, even broken trees bear fruit.